down with the ITC. Yeah, you know me. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we tease the bag and prepare for the mess that is that untraceable, unmistakable performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in Big Red to get this combat audio party underway with another loaded show of shenanigans, top-shelf boxing analysis. Hey, we got reactions to Triple G Canelo Part 2 getting made. Anthony Joshua and DNC Wilder still in flux and a conversation with unbeaten welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr. Hey, we may even play another round of What's It Look Like and answer your DMs. Hey, you know, maybe a little Load Watch 2018. You never know with the ITC. Let him shoot his load. All right, all right. Let's, let's go. Enough for all for all your fans. You got you got you got your taste. You got your feel of it. All right. Enough. Enough. Don't let's not out of those words again. But before I bring in the big ginge, let me remind you that if you hear something on today's show, of course, that you like, if you see something, say something. Please do us that solid of heading on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. We're talking about rate review. Hey, five star review if it's in you. Write a little sentence on what you like about the show. It helps it go a long way. In addition, if you are looking to get the best highlights and biggest sports stories right in your inbox every morning, look no further than the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. Just go to CBS Sports dot com slash hq daily to subscribe cbs sports hq of course is your 24 7 live streaming home for all things sports you even get fight updates and analysis from yours truly it is one heck of a show guys you you need show you need amazing show just call me i'm staying here i'm ready for everybody yeah all right but with the business out of the way let me welcome in a man who brings i don't know Maybe you can say the full package of boxing know-how to this great show. Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that in boxing? Well, my, my co-host does. He's an internationally renowned author, editor, newsletter, presenter, Filipino TV icon. Heck, he's even a respecter of all things cruiserweight. <laughs> Big Red, Rafe Bartholomew, checking in from the left coast. How is it, my man? Brian, we have a big gift for people this week. Kazakhstan forever, Brian. It's happening. It's happening. It is happening. It is. Let, let's not bury the lead. Triple G, Canelo 2, it's happening. I mean, are you feeling it? Are you, you? Did you have any doubt along the way, Rafe? No, no intros, no pleasantries right to the meat, the tainted meat. What do you got for me? I got my my meat is pure, baby. Like all Vada approved as Triple G had at his press conference yesterday in LA with the trolling menu, all Vada approved meals. Yeah. Um I had doubts. I had doubts, man. I didn't I wasn't sure. I I think that Canelo has a little bit of what the great sexy Sergio liked to call diva in him. Wow. And uh I was a little worried that Diva side might might make him you know, pull a power move here. Well, did this man of principle, Triple G, who apparently from all, you know, reports stood firm on his want for a 55-45 split, not the 42 and a half that Oscar and Canelo were offering at the last minute. 
that was, uh, what would you call that? Was it diva-ish? Was it him being a man of principle? Because he took a chance to lose what ESPN's Dan Raphael is speculating would be a $40 million payday. And that, I don't know if I can do the math quick enough. Is that true? $40 million for Triple G as the B-side? Heck, maybe. I mean, you know, if we assume this pay-per-view is going to sell $1.5 million or in that area, maybe that's right. But he put that on the – who put the balls on the line? You need a full package, as Nassim said. Triple G was like, check it. Check the size. Check, check, check it. Well, see, with Triple G, he never – I mean, Diva is a is a tone. It's a, it's a way of being. It's a way of life that one embodies. So if he were – saying uh sort of i'm better than this and it's sort of if he has this holier than thou attitude then yeah maybe that sort of negotiating tactic could be called out uh as diva-ish but because he always was just sort of like did the strong silent type i stand firm now do i think it was a man of principle no he wanted more money is that a like a really really great moral principle <laughs> i want more money okay i want more money too like is anybody calling me a great man of principle well, well uh, anyway come on you're serious? You're serious? This was about right and wrong. This was about ethics. I know traditionally ethics in boxing, right? Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. You know, Eddie Hearn's right. Traditionally they don't, but this was Triple G trying to say it's not about the money, Rafe. It's about the principle. Canelo, you're dirty. I don't trust you. You're not a good human. All of that stuff. And because Triple G stood firm and because he was willing to go to that Golden Boy infused deadline last Wednesday at, you know, noon Pacific time, whatever that meant. Suddenly the fight was off because Triple G said no. And then you get the tweets coming in from all the reporters that are hot on the, on the case going, hold on. There's a Hail Mary coming in. Apparently MGM. Oscar's up, going back like Doug Flutie. Yeah, I know. Apparently MGM's putting in more money. Oscar said he's putting in his own personal money. Whatever it was, Triple G would not budge on the percentage. So. September 15th, Mexican Independence Day weekend, a year later, the same side of the crime of the first fight, we get Triple G Canelo 2 at T-Mobile. I'm fired up for that rave last year. I mean, look, as long as I get out of the equation, you know, I mean, Teddy, you know, you know what Teddy would say. That woman judge. I mean, you know, go make me a sandwich is what he's trying to say. As long as we can get that out of the equation, this could be. It's great for the sport. It's great for you and I. Are you going to be there? We're going to party. You know, we're going to have some fun again. Maybe run into Eric Morales again. Campion, what do we got? I am not missing this for the world. All the watch out, Campions. Me and BC are going to be on the loose, looking to embarrass you in public, but embarrass ourselves way worse. I promise. For the people, for the people of this podcast, absolutely. Um, what was interesting, Rafe, was that as Golovkin stood as a man of principle, as he stood on that solid foundation and said, "I'm not budging," they also revealed. They had Billy Joe Saunders on line one, ready to go with a deal on the table, agreed by both parts. So, hey, that ish house, Martin Murray, he, he was onto something. When, uh, when Billy Joe pulled out of this Saturday's fight, I think, I think he's, he's right in calling him out there. Yeah, it absolutely, uh, lends a lot of credence to Martin Murray's theory that Billy Joe Saunders pulled out because just like Murray said, Saunders was looking for a bigger money fight with either Canelo or Golovkin, whoever was available to him if this fight fell through. Now you can't totally blame Saunders, but now look, Saunders got nothing to do. Martin Murray's fighting uh, somebody, I forgot, a guy I know. Roberto is Garcia. Garcia. Roberto Garcia. That will, you will hear his yeah. name later in the Weekend preview, do you care edition? Yes, Rafe, yes. <laughs> the sneak, I, I, spoiler alert. I think you already know. Um, but, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm team Murray with this one. Now, 
you know, did, did, do you call another man an S house? Do you, re- do you go there? Cause it seems like in the UK, they take that really serious. That, that sounds like fighting words because Billy Joe Saunders was, was not playing in that response. He was like, you call me an S house to my face. I will what is do it a tick over mate. American boxing is all about load watch 2018. British boxing is all about S housing. I mean, we have like, I got four different buttons on this board with, with a British fighter saying that it's out of control right now. Anyway, Golovkin did have that press conference yesterday, Monday that you mentioned in LA and he was angry again. I mean, he's happy to get the fight, but he's not budging on this. Like, no, Canelo did something wrong, disrespected me and all this. And he threw out a couple sort of jabs at him, basically said, quote, I don't think anything about him as a human being. I'm not really concerned about him. I just hope he will be there September 15th to fight. Yes! Come on, finally we got a little juice in this. Because, honestly, look, great fight on paper. First one was great. Can't wait for the rematch. But these are two boring dudes. I mean, I, some people might take, you know, offense to that. But these are two boring dudes. Now we have show. You want show? Uh, Max, uh, look at me. I have both the rematch. No, that one's on. Now it's it's serious. It's like... He went from being this Kazakh funny guy back into, like, growing up in the Russian military system, like, back to, like, serious talk. Like, yeah, I lost my brothers in war. Canelo, you ate bad meat. You're, you're going to pay for this. Like, this is serious. This is this is serious now. This is box. Like, this is this is not sport. Brian, it's this is serious. It's not game, Brian. This is serious. This is box. I respect box. I like fight. Brian, yeah, for real. We remember the last time Triple G even got close to being angry, and I don't think it was nearly on this level was what against Curtis Stevens, right? Because Curtis Stevens came out with the kind of uh the coffin in poor taste coffin imagery about what he was gonna do to Triple G, which Triple G felt rightly, I think, stepped over the line a little bit. And and afterwards you know, he was like, Yeah, you know, I wanted to punish him and I look at him, are you serious? Are you serious? We'll see if he can do something like that to Canelo, who's obviously a, a better fighter than Curtis Stevens. And if the first fight is an indication, pretty much on the same level or almost on the same level as Triple G. But still, that fire that that he's actually pissed off that that is that, that makes me a little that, oh, that yeah. gets my juices flowing. Don't forget what uh, Steven said right before the first time he uttered, "Are you serious?" Steven says, "Come Saturday." I'm going to F Gennady up. And I love that he always chose to call him by the wrong name every single time calling him Gennady. He stuck to that. And, you know, he, he paid he paid the piper. He lost a bit of his soul in the ring that night. David Lemieux swept up whatever what was left of it a couple of years later. But, uh yeah, we got this fight. This is great. Even Oscar, by the way, running his mouth saying, hey, Triple G, if you think you're the man, if you think you're all that, why don't you knock out Canelo? Because that's essentially... If you're talking about out of the business, put the business away, and we're talking about the analysis of this fight, and certainly we're going to talk about this fight ad nauseum for months to come, but the one statement you can make this far out is, hey, Triple G, Oscar's right. If you're really that guy, no, no pity patty, no trying to corner Canelo, knock the dude out. Don't leave it in the hands of the judges. So Oscar seems to be... This is almost like what Jeff Horn did. Oscar seems to be poking the bear in the wrong spot. If I'm Oscar, I'd be like, well, Triple G, if you're really who you say you are, I'll box us for 12 rounds and convince those judges, right? You don't want Triple G walking you down with that angry Russian military upbringing inside of him. You want funny Kazakh Triple G. I like you. I like sex. It's nice. Don't poke the bear. Don't bring out that beast. We saw what happened when Bud got poked a little bit, right? First by that old mobile dealer. Different fighters, different situations. I mean, 
Well, sure, maybe there's a little bit of risk. We know how Triple G is going to fight. I mean, I don't think that we're really going to see anything too, too surprising from him, uh, in the, in the rematch. And maybe we will, but we, we know who he is. He is who we thought he was, Brian. But, and the thing is, we've seen this fight already. And, and I do kind of, I think Triple G uh, deserves a little more criticism if you, or, and I wouldn't say blame. There's nothing known to blame. It's a, it's a fight and the athletic thing. They perform. They do what they can do. But in that first fight, he did have Canelo where he usually likes to finish guys and he couldn't land the right hand. It seemed like he was having trouble pulling the trigger. It was either him losing a step, apparently, or, or, or Canelo being able to show him something with the clean counters that he was landing, the power that he did have, even though obviously Triple G didn't show getting hurt at all, uh, but or or just being shifty enough and being able to roll out of those uh, off of the ropes when he wanted to. I mean, Canelo did what we all thought, or almost everyone thought, would be basically suicide against Triple G. He yeah. laid on the ropes, and Triple G didn't make him pay. Triple G Is had that, too much that's, respect. That's, Triple G's fault. Triple G respects box. He had too much respect. Kind of, if we're honest, like he did against Lemieux. I know Lemieux was a strong strategy by Triple G. I'm going to take away that guy's biggest weapon and just use my jab and pound him into the dirt because my technical advantages were so large. But us on the outside were saying, well, if you can dominate him that that crazily with one hand, then go in there and knock the guy out. Like, let, let, let's see it happen. I think we saw a little bit too much respect. And then, of course, when Canelo finally landed those bombs in round 9, 10, 11, where Triple G's... Neck and shin were turned in like the opposite direction and he didn't blink an eye. That's a wake up call. This guy can't hurt me. Let me walk down, walk him down and just end this, right? Like, so look, this is getting me fired up. This is what we want heading into this rematch. It's gonna, it's gonna sell more pay-per-views because of the drama and the controversy than the first one. It's going to be the event we deserve and need because Rafe, we're probably not going to get this other event that we keep talking about. And every week we have another ups, update that tricks regular boxing fans and news people that aren't like you know weathered and beaten down enough to go oh joshua wilder we're gonna see that in europe in 2018 in the fall hey let's get our ticket don't get your tickets bro don't get your tickets russian money still if that check still cashes from russia eddie hearn's gonna be there for povietkin in september i was, you I was about to ask brian uh are you interested in uh purchasing a uh a- you know, secondhand uh, ticket on Virgin Atlantic to London later this year because I already booked one and uh, I might be willing to come off of it. Oh wow, wow! Did you really get ahead of the game there, just in case? Oh hell no! All right, all right. just just trying to make make sure there. Our, our latest update on that Rafe is we we recorded last week's show like just too early, right? We missed Triple like G an hour before. We missed uh, Wilder saying I verbally agree to your email demands, Joshua. We're going to have this fight. I go on CBS Sports HQ. Everybody's like, we're going to have this fight, right? I go, not so fast, guys. You got to understand who Eddie Hearn is. They say Eddie's got two days to send the contract. Let me see the contract. Well, before I get fired up, Rafe, there's no contract, right? Like, we're still in the same spot of Wilder putting out meme videos and Joshua's people going... Again, the foundation is they don't need this fight right now. They don't need to cash in on the danger. They have plenty of ways to make money. It seems they're going to do that, Rafe, because there's a lot of Russian money out there. And it's Russian not just money Russian. comes with risk. I mean, I don't, I, I, I guess I favor Joshua against Povetkin, but I think that's a closer fight than, than it, I don't know, than, than people are making it out to be. I, I think that is a dangerous fight. A year, whenever, whenever Wilder and Povetkin were supposed to fight before Povetkin got popped for, S, for STDs, for PEDs. 
<laughs> you know, I don't know if you can get suspended for an STD, but you should. Um, that's not true. A lot of people have them. You know, we've all had our close calls. It's not a stigma. I take it back. Wow. Anyway, PEDs wow. are a stigma. Um, <laughs> PEDs are a stigma. And Povetkin's gotten popped a bunch of times. But going into that fight with Wilder that he was supposed to have, I think the consensus or the not, it wasn't a, a viewed as a wipeout, but I think more people than not expected Povetkin to kind of expose Wilder and be the guy to to show that this this yes. lanky power punching stud is not really you know get exposed. I think I think you're so right. So is that guy that. so Povetkin's a different guy now? You don't think well, he can give uh, Joshua any washed, trouble, dude? David Price knocked him into the ropes and knocked him down. He did rally, of course, to knock him out. Look, Povetkin's a little bit older now. If 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 Meldonium sandwiches are not allowed on the uh, on the on the Vada rider there, then I don't know if if he's gonna look. It is a tough fight, and especially if they do it in Russia, you have the potential to get screwed on the cards. But I don't know if I'm Team Joshua. Povetkin's a small of these of the super heavyweight era. Povetkin's still what like six two at the at the most. He's still a smallish heavyweight. I still think Joshua would be able to do that. And yeah. do you think they could make more money? against Povetkin than they could against Wilder, as crazy as that sounds? Like, knowing that... Absolutely, because it's Russian money. You don't even know how much money it is. I mean, they they can sign a contract for something, and Povetkin's backer, Ryabinski, who is a legit oligarch in in Russia, can just, you know, break off Eddie and and AJ AJ for however much they want. Uh, You know, Vlad can get in there. They'll they'll, they'll give Vlad a little bit to be the guest referee. Who knows? Um... Yeah, I think they can make a very good uh, payday taking that fight if it comes first. Let's not forget when Klitschko faced Povetkin and went to a purse bid. I think the biggest American bid was something like two and a half, three million total, all purses on the card, and then that the, the Russian money came through at twenty-seven and a half million. I think Vlad got like twenty-two of that. It's just like absurd, rape. That's so much money for a fight that at that point, like people were like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a cool fight. I'll see it." But people aren't like jumping out of their shoes for it. This one, you would think they could make a lot of money. That's enough. Let's not talk about it anymore. We're not going to see a sign contract, and until we do, let's stop falling victim to this every week. And I got a lot I was more. Say, last week, last week they really did. You talk about load watch. They had the entire boxing public blowing L's. Uh, oh wow! Over yeah, what are you <laughs> gonna say? I mean, a lot of people shot L's last week when oh, they saw wow. that, those ESPN reports. Bro, you ain't even Wilder Joshua was gonna you? happen. It really sounded like it was gonna happen, oh. and it was unexpected. It was it was this thing that we wanted, but figured. But at that point, eh, it's not happening this year. And then all of a sudden, there it is. They're pretty. Little ball, our orb in our hands. I'm doing the Tommy Boy thing. Yeah, like, juggling oh, my the, pet, the, juggling my the pet. bag in your hands. Uh, but if you uh, juggle the bag, and then, ball, my pet, I killed him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's just so <laughs> gross. All right, Rafe, I got a lot of news we got to get through. So, hey, Joshua Wilder, I'm putting you to bed. I don't want to talk about it again. Hey, Anthony Josh. Anthony Josh. I'm putting you to bed until we find out where you're going next. So this show, we're done. We're done falling victim. We're not done with Eddie Hearn. I got a lot more Eddie Hearn sound coming through. I just want to get through a couple things. As we mentioned last show, Rafe, it looks like Tyson Fury will return, uh, speaking of heavyweights, on the undercard of Carl Frampton's August 18th homecoming bout at Windsor Park in Belfast. This means a lot to Carl Frampton. It doesn't mean a lot to any of us, but this has been his like lifelong dream. He's going to face unheralded, unbeaten former Olympian Luke Jackson, and I did look it up. It's not the former Oregon Duck and Seattle Supersonic. I was really excited for a second, right? He had a nice little run on the Cavs, too, you know? It's not going to be that guy, but we're going to see Fury on that undercard, probably against a garbage opponent, 
And all this talk swept up some fury sound and love and the feud between him and Bellew, Tony Bellew now going back and forth. So let's sort of kind of get up to date here on what's happening here. Let me get my sound cues in order. So Bellew, Lay some of the sound and the fury on me. Bellew calls out Fury and says, like, Tyson Fury's not ready for me in any way, shape, or form. I don't care what kind of version you, you, you give me. And then our guy, IFL TV, Coogan Cassius, who's on top of everything, Rave, caught up with Bellew. Someone told me he said he doesn't want to hurt a cruiserweight, but yet he's fighting a, a smaller cruiserweight than me. So it's, it's, it's very funny. So, yeah, he's kind of a... The, from Fury, anyway, it was a heartfelt message to, kind of a warning to you not to oh, fight. Was him. it? Was it? What was a heartfelt? I love Tyson Fury. He knows it, but uh, I would definitely punch him in the face with talent gloves on, really hard, and I punch him much harder than Steve Cullen did. We both know I hit much harder than Steve Cullen. We all know that. He's just seen what I've just done to that last fella. No one's ever done that to him. All right. So what we know is that Tony Bellew is willing to put on 10 ounce gloves and punch Tyson in the face and that Tony Bellew doesn't really feel good about his life unless he is punching people in the face. So that's an interesting development. So Coogan Cassius caught up with Tyson Fury and relayed these comments. Fury started off with like, what am I going to gain to beat him? Am I gaining anything at all? He's a smaller guy. People expect me to win. But then he heard the comments and he got a little bit lit. I am not going to fight Tony Bellew. Why do I want to fight Tony Bellew? He has nothing that I want at all. But what I am going to do to Tony Bellew is punch him in the mouth when I see him. And let's see if he can be cheeky to me to me face. Because I think Tony Bellew's a shithouse. I want to slap him in the teeth when he starts crying. Then I say, come on, big man, you think you can fight, don't you? Get it on. And if you're watching, meet me up any time, any place, anywhere, and me and you'll have a straightener. If you're serious, or if it's just for a payday, I'll let you off. But if you're serious about fighting me, I'll fight you out here for free. Boom. I love when Fury goes straight gypsy, when he's just like, I'm, I have nothing to gain to fight you for money. But if you want to fight me on the street where my father, Peter Fury, once ripped a man's eyeball out of its socket, do you know how hard you have to pull to pull a man's eyeball out of its socket, Roy Jones? I mean, this guy Fury is ready to, to throw. This is great. I believe it was a gouging. Uh, if the, the news reports I read were accurate, it was a gouge. So it's more of an inward motion with the thumb to, to damage the eyeball. Um, but indeed it does hurt to get gouged in the eyeball like that. Uh, I got so much British sound here, Rafe. I better just start teeing it up here. All right. So let me, let's close on that. Bell, you, Fury doesn't feel like that's next, but I think we will see it. I think that'll be part of the comeback for Fury because it's a cruiserweight. Want, if, if, if Fury can get that good, if Fury can get, you know, if if he gets through a couple more fights and looks half decent, I do want to see that. I think that probably if he a decent version of Fury should just be too big for Bellew, but I'd love the build up. Both guys are up there in my top two or three talkers in boxing, <laughs> and they would play crazy mind games on each other. Bellew, I mean, just listen to what we just heard. Bellew giving himself the faintest praise anyone has ever gotten in boxing where I punch harder than Steve Cunningham. And then Fury, <laughs> Fury on the other side doing, I can't even remember how he said it. It's like, you don't make me cheek, make cheeky with me, with me. And like, I don't even understand how he made that sentence work, but he it was beautiful. dropped house too, Rafe. Of course, S House, which is the ultimate fighting word, it's going down now. They're already selling the fight. The thing is, Fury saying that, oh, I don't, what do I gain from beating Tony Bellew? Well, that's fine. Maybe that's how you feel, but who are you going to end up fighting in August? It's going to be like, you know, 
Sefer Safari's brother who lost to Herbie Hyde. Speaking of Sefer Safari, so by the way, as we already know, when you interview the Mac Daddy as Coogan Cassius did, you get the gold. Every time you do an interview with a Mac Daddy, big interview numbers. When you do it with other people, not so big. Not so big. All right, so Fury was asked by Coogan Cassius about kissing Sefer Safari. We forgot to bring this up when we were recounting all the hijinks that happened in the Fury Surf and Safari match. Do you remember Fury, what was it, at the at the opening face off when they when they hear the rules, he gave him a kiss. This is what he said about it. Why did you kiss him? Because I do stuff I didn't know that, you, I didn't know you kissed him actually on the Yeah, I, I do stuff that people don't do in boxing. When have you ever seen some two men face to face before they fight and the other man kiss him on the lips? And him received the kiss quite yes, I received it. I think he enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it anyway. And then when did you see someone pick someone up out of way in? And, and just, it's different, isn't it? It's different. It's different, Rafe. When have you ever seen two men stand across the ring from each other and, and, and kiss? Seriously. I, I, I'd have to go back and watch some Yusuf Mac tapes, but I think oh, I could find on. an example here or there. Oh, wow, which tapes are you talking about? Wow. Uh, Rafe, uh, so here's the deal. Eddie Hearn was asked by the same Coogan Cassius of IFL. We gotta get that guy on the show, by the way. Why are we, why are we playing his sound? We need him on the show. He was talking to Eddie, like basically saying, hey Eddie, did you see the Tyson Fury comeback fight? The return of Mr. Tyson Fury. Exactly what I thought would happen, exactly the reason that we decided not to sign him. Because I can't, I mean, you know the stick I get. If I would have served that up, Mate, this would have been the most... So there must have been some allowance for his first fight back. Not against that bloke, mate. Come on. You can't call yourself the lineal heavyweight champion of the world and say, I will go back in with Joshua or Wilder in my first fight and then fight Sifir Sifir, whatever his name is. Um, But don't expect anyone better for the next few. This is the problem. And what you said, there is an element of truth to that. Now, here's, he went on and on. I, w- I won't bore you with that. But what, here's what Hearn ultimately said after, and, and, and he, I, I cut this out actually too early. Hearn went on to send Sefer Safari to hell and be like, there's two Albanian cruiserweights in the world and, and one of them is Sefer's brother and Sefer's more of a promoter than a fighter. This is a joke. So he, so he pissed on that. But then remember when Fury was in talks with Eddie before he re-signed with Frank Warren just a couple months ago? Eddie went deep on that, Rafe. I hadn't heard these details. Eddie says he offered Fury a four fight plan for this comeback. $30 million total, and this was the progression of opponents. Travis Kaufman, the, the, the PBC headliner, Tony Bellew in fight two, Dillian White in fight three, which just seems to be the new Andre Berto to get to Floyd, right? You want to fight Joshua? You got to fight Dillian. You got to fight Andre Berto, Dillian White first before you can get to Floyd or Joshua. And the fourth one being Anthony Joshua. That, and he said Fury countered with wanting only Sefer Safari level opponents, and it killed the deal. Fury later did an interview with Coogan Cassius. It dismissed that, said Eddie could never afford me. He never offered me that much. Very interesting stuff here, Rafe. And just to close on that, we did get sound of Fury responding to Hearn. I was meaning to ask you, right? So when Hearn said that when you were talking to him about before, obviously you signed with Frank, that the opponents that you were picking or saying to him, Eddie Hearn, were like really, really bad and terrible, etc. What, what was the crack there? I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about, to be honest. The opponents he could beat. He's never had a fight in his life, Eddie, so couldn't beat anybody. I think the worst is journeyman in England would slap him a ten stoner. So No, Tarsin, can I just I, I just I just wanna put this JS. Fair play, we're lovers. 
So if you put Eddie Hearn naked on the street and essentially BJS is saying to have to fight for his life, would he be able to feed himself? Tyson Fury outright says no. Just straight up, right? Like, uh, no. No panache. He's not going to be able to do it. Interesting. Interesting little back and forth there, Rafe. Uh, I think, I think if he would have signed with Hearn, then we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't see Joshua Wilder. We would be seeing the, the long build to, to Fury Joshua and it could be epic. Well, in that case, I, I'm, and maybe it's a good thing because I wouldn't, I don't really want to see, I wouldn't have wanted to see Joshua Wilder get put on hold and that's taking enough time as it is because Hearn had this other plot to build Tyson Fury up with some fake fights or if they, or I mean, obviously the progression he put out there, if that's real, that would be serious. If he, if Fury beats those three guys, bang, 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 then, then I'd have no problem with him fighting Joshua after that. But I don't think, I don't think it would have looked like that in real life. And uh, so, so I don't mind that it didn't work out that way. And I think that, Hearn, I mean, we know that Hearn is not above grabbing. So, I mean, is this what he, what is what he's doing with Amir Khan in order to, to make a Kell Brook fight in a couple of years or a year or next year any different from what may have happened if he had gotten Tyson Fury? No. So he's not above taking damaged goods and cashing it out, but True. it just didn't work out this time. Interesting. It's all interesting. I love the back and forth. I love the arguing. I mean, you know, BJS and, and Fury saying that Eddie couldn't beat a, a top 1000 rated heavyweight. I mean, they do have to understand that he, that he took the old man to the body and dropped him. We know. Hard. I mean, we, we have this confirmed from Gareth the Warlock Davis, journalist from the UK Extraordinaire. We have it confirmed from Eddie. Eddie came on this show and told the story himself. Hurt his dad to the body. What a beauty. I mean, Hashtag body. body. Eddie 6'7", he's a heavyweight. In fact, you sent me some sound of Coogan Cash just getting on the inside to find out exactly where Eddie's at physically right now. Don't worry, we're working on it. Give us a white check. It's not good, mate. It's around 18 stones, to be honest with you. It's got to come down. We've got to lose a quick stone. It's my old man's 70th birthday next week. So I would like to sort of... Because those pictures will last forever. They will. You know, That's the ones of you in this. Hey, hey. So uh, Eddie's looking to uh, lose a stone there, fit into that waistcoat a little bit 18 more. 18 stones. That's 250. I looked it up. He is, ah. as they say, an absolute unit. 6'6", six, six, 250. Uh, he may have more in some... common with Fury than we realized. They're both, you know, they say for 680 stood, right, Montel? I mean, I hate to say it, I, and not to denigrate uh, the great Sefer Safari too much, but Hearn Fury might be a better... A better matchup, and man, would that sell. I mean, are you kidding? Talk about a circus fight. I'm, I'm loving that. And, and if you think I'm out of Eddie Hearn sound, and you know, you might as well just turn off the podcast because I'm not, because, uh, he also, uh, your guy Coogan got sent to the, uh, to the deep dark by BJS. <laughs> so what's the crack? What's been happening to you? Nothing. I see you on your Instagram story. Sucking off Eddie Hearn on the way back, giving him a nosh when you're in that car. No, not really. I was just in a car. That's yeah. All. That was all. I was in a car. No, he was just in a car. None of that, none of that was, was happened. No backwashing, Rafe. Believe what I'm telling you. No, there's not backwashing. Oh my gosh. Well, how do we get here? How do we get out of here? I have a lot more sound. I'm going to wait to next week. Did you, there's a, there was a video that Coogan got with Eddie Hearn and Richard Schaefer together to squash their beef. Did you hear this? I missed that one. I don't know if oh, we man. have room in this show for me to go another 10-minute run on that. I'll save that for the future. But, hey, in other news this week, Rafe, Mike Coppinger, the top 
operator himself of the ring is reporting. Whoa! The cruisers were made for box! Alexander Usyk Muragasi of the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Final to unify all four 205, 200 belts, 200 belts, is now set. July 21st in Moscow, getting some of that Russian money. The road to Jeddah has been detoured. Your thoughts, Rave? This should have been our lead story. I, this is music to my ears. Um, I'm, I, yo, it's great. It's happening. I was really, I was genuinely worried when all that kind of mystery, all those mysterious problems started popping up and they, they moved the fight out of Jeddah. They wanted to, Russia wanted to buy the fight. Usyk said maybe he wouldn't fight there. And it, it seemed like I kind of got the feeling that both, maybe both guys were sort of, it dawned on them. Wait a minute. I'm in really good shape right now. I have two belts. Look at me. I have two belts. <laughs> and I don't want to lose them right now. Maybe I don't. Maybe I can fight a few Yuri Kalengas or a Mateusz Masternak. You know, stretch, stretch this out a little bit before I go for a complete unification. But I'm glad. But thankfully, the WBSS, look, the, 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 obviously the lesson, don't doubt Sauerland. Cal, killer Cal, he got it. He got it. And he made it happen. I'm, I'm excited. Now, would you say that you're, you're feel? I'm feel. I'm very feel. I mean, this is one of the better fights of the year on paper for us. Hashtag hardcores, right? For us. I mean, the... it's in Moscow. So to, to quote, uh, Oleg from, from clerks, you know, my love for you is cruiserweight berserker. Yes. Wow. Wow. I'm going to have to look up that reference. I, I know that cruising was actually made for box. I can't go any further than that. Uh, Rafe, uh, I've got, I've got some this week in boxing scene hooker headlines. I don't know if you saw this one that came out today. Hooker semicolon or is it full colon? Probably full colon. Flanagan overlooked me. I shocked the boxing world. We have a hooker shocking the boxing world. Rafe, your thoughts. I, I like that one. There's one earlier today, I believe, with somebody in the UK named Catterall, who I haven't really seen, um, but I am down with a little Adderall. Um, but yeah, Catterall saying he wanted to beat Hooker. Well, that, you can't put that you in a headline. It doesn't that. look good. I mean, you got a man saying he wants to beat a Hooker? Oh, man. Just, that's, yeah, I can't, I can't go there. Hey, former middleweight champion Kelly Pavlik, who was on this show last fall at the Triple G Canelo fight, talked to boxing scenes Tris Dixon mm-hmm. this past week and said at different stages of his career, he was linked to fighting British heroes Joe Calzaghe and Carl Froch and asked who he would have preferred. Who do, who do you think, who, who do you think you'd guess? I read this. He, he right, prefers, right, he prefers right. the, he, he prefers to get Cobra, which is a mistake. He prefers the 80K and he says, let me tell you why. I respect the ish out of Calzaghe. I think that guy's career was underrated. I truly do. The guy was a hell of a fighter. If he slapped, then shame on you for getting bitch slapped an entire fight. Seriously, you gotta give the guy credit. But Frotch, let me put it this way, and I don't usually measure fights, but you can. Jermaine Taylor, a little after I fought him, knocked him out and beat him twice. He fought Frotch. Not only me, but other people thought Taylor put an ass whooping on Frotch for 12 rounds, and in the last round, just caught him. He basically said Frotch got lucky against Taylor, and he would have taken his soul. I'm not really sure about that, Kelly. This was well, just... and Styles Styles make fights, right? I I think that his he's basically right about the Taylor fight against Frotch. He was winning clearly going into that 12th round, but for that's what Frotch does. He's got those big cobra nuts. He comes in and he he pulls those fights out of his butt. I mean, the first the first George Groves fight, he was dead in the water in the first first round basically out on his feet and he came back and, and warmed down the stoppage was a little bit iffy 
good old Howie Foster, the the British referee oh, yeah. extraordinaire, but still it, it it was it you most people felt like that that fight was heading towards a frotch stoppage. Um anyway, Frotch knows, you know, he's a tough tough mother and and that would have been a, a fun fight. Um if we were playing, I want to ask you about yeah. the let me ask you about the Calzaghi uh quote there. Do you think when he's saying it's your fault for getting be slapped all night uh is that sort of a subliminal diss yes. towards bernard hopkins yes. not not just for losing that fight but for that time he let that dude throw uh punch him through the ropes what was that guy's name again he was uh the plaster of the local council joe smith jr <laughs> that guy i think it's a double dig on there no question about it because if you're kelly and he's a good dude he seems content with his career and isn't going to come back even though he's still pretty young he's you could tell that was the worst loss that was the most debilitating loss of his career without question but if we're talking about what's it look like kelly versus either of these guys it's got to be pre-back tat era remember when he had that whole like italian landscape like european vacation scene on his back like tatted like during the top rank run when they were trying to prop him up for chavez jr as long as it was pre that if we're talking prime kelly i got to agree with him Kalzagi's a bad style matchup that's going to expose his lack of shiftiness and speed. He, in his mind, he's like, well, I can bang with Frotch, so I'd rather take a chance on banging. And that's, you know, sometimes, Rafe, that's what you got to do. We, we, we got to bang him a little bit. I mean, we're not banging him. That's, that's, you know, I don't have anything against that. Rafe, and Brian, I, in, in relation to this, you were asking me to come up with a couple of uh, what's it look likes. And because we're already, they, you, you kind of beat me to the punch on this one. Yeah. Based off this news, I wanted to ask you, what, what would it look like? Kelly Pavlik versus Frotch, both in their primes. Wow. Well, first we uh, super out. middleweight. So, so middleweight. Pavlik is going up to fight in the Cobra's territory at Wembley in the Cobra's wow. backyard in front of 79,999 oh, people. Just to keep that record, right? Not quite 8,000, that wasn't tonight. No, not quite, not quite. Uh, you know, I'm still blown away that Groves produced 80,000. Like, to us, Groves was this Hello Kitty tattoo-wearing dude, like, and, you know, an average contender. Pavlik could have put 80K in there. Anyway, so if we're talking about Prime, are we talking about Prime, Kelly? So it's it's like the Taylor fight for Taylor Walker? Taylor fight, yes. That guy was hungry. I don't think he had Frotch's skill, dude. I think it would be a fun shootout, a, a, a slugfest. Give me Frotch by decision. Hmm. No, those it's... guys aren't going the distance. Then again, he went the distance with Taylor that second fight. Taylor a little bit washed by then, the beginning of the washedness. Um, I don't know, because Kelly's tough, dude. I know he got dropped by Taylor, but he bit down, you know? I, I mean, it's just the presence of 79K and Alex Godinia is going to just drive him to knock Kelly out. I don't see Kelly getting knocked out there. I think you can outclass him. And I kind of like Frotch's technique and skills a little bit better than Kelly's. Frotch was an awkward fighter himself, though. It's not like he was a a, a master boxer, Algeri style in there. I think I, I, when you talk about amateur background, I mean, Ke- Kelly Pavlik, he wasn't quick. He wasn't particularly slick. But, man, he you know, his jab was nasty. I could see him stealing rounds off of that. If it, if it went the distance, would uh, which would only happen if it were sort of just both guys showing off monster chins, which they kind of both had. Uh, and then I could see maybe Pavlik nicking it with the wow, jab. Oh, that's a good ass fight. It might come down to which gloves they're wearing, though. The gloves have, uh, that I use in clitoris is, uh, you know, I like that glove. It's my glove, so. If, if Kelly could use the clitoris gloves and put his hand in there, then maybe, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, that's my glove. If I can find the uh, clitoris, that's my favorite glove. Oh, wow. Hey, Rafe, I got updates, uh, Crawford Horn postscript for you. Our guy Glenn Russian, right? The Seagal Robbins Norris, uh, guy. 
has subsequently told the media that Jeff Horn forgot his training shoes in Australia and as a result was forced to wear a new pair during Vegas to prepare for that fight and ended up with severe blisters, hashtag toe, all over his feet. Here's the quote from Rushton to the Daily Mail. Unfortunately, he got really bad blisters over here. He made a mistake and only packed one pair of shoes, so he was a pair short. You're damn right he was a pair short for making that kind of excuse. You kidding me? Bob Arum, the great Bob A, right, went on Michael Woods' uh, Everlast Talkback podcast. Here's what he said. He's sending people straight to hell. The Australian fighters conduct themselves different from our guys. Our guys would never, even if that was the case, they would never make an excuse like that because with Federal Express, it would take a day to get the shoes sent over. And Horn was here for 10 days. And what? Is he waking up and suddenly getting blisters the night of the fight? He was training for 10 days here and there weren't any blisters uh, Bob has subsequently taken back his great quote where he said, The guy has balls. He fights like a tough, tough gang member. Gang member. Uh, by the way, this really, really puts a, some shade on the idea that these Aussie guys are just tougher breed. <laughs> just hard enough. Like, seriously, bang it full of quarters and get on with it. Like, hey, Jeff Horn, like, take your shoe off and just, 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 yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, my, my message to you, Jeff Horn, is toughen up, princess. Give I me a break. That, this is just ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, it's the worst. Also, Brian, help me understand. If you wanted to make up an excuse, why would you make up such a terrible <laughs> excuse? That makes no sense. Were you, for, and, and I read Rushton's whole story. He's like, we sent a guy down to the, to the, to the mall and he bought, and all of a sudden turned into a country boy and, and they bought him Nike boots. Well, Nike is a pretty solid brand. Yes. And even if this, okay, they're not broken in and they don't feel right. They're too tight or whatever. Stop wearing them. Wear the ones you have. <laughs> Wear, just let them get sweaty. It's okay if they stink on fight night. And it, the whole thing, and, and Bob, Bob brought up the, they, they, it's, you know, we are not living in, you know, tr like carrier pigeon times. They could have FedExed over or, you know, couriered over the, the, the horned boots, the horned, the horned, whatever they call the horned frogs. Uh, <laughs> they could have sent that crap over here. That, just stop this crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow you popped me there that was that was um that was that was fantastic wow i lost my train of thought there they did by the way subsequently interview joe horn the wife of jeff after this and asked her what she thought of jeff's excuse yeah right jeffrey no i don't think so but anyway it's good to dream you know Wow, wow. Uh, so many places we can go with this, Rafe. That's, that's tough to see because, you know... These Yanks are nowhere near as tough as they make themselves out to be, and I can't wait for our Australian boy to go up and kick his ass. It didn't happen. I know we actually have a lot of Australian listeners, and I love the Aussies, right? Pass the sugar. I love these guys. This is not a good sign for Australian boxing, but... Forget about that, Rafe. We have an Australian boxing Super Bowl on the horizon. Did you hear of the fight that they are looking to put together down under? Are you talking about Horn and Mundine? Yes, the, the 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 ultimate superhero, Anthony Mundine, who can fight at every weight class. Rafe, if you're keeping score, Mundine is 43. He last fought in January as a middleweight when he knocked out Tommy Brown in Australia. In 2017, he fell as a cruiserweight when he lost the majority decision to wash Danny Green. Two years before that, he got knocked out by Charles Hatley at junior middleweight and lost the decision to Claudie. I'm sorry, beat. No, lost the decision to Claudia. Anyway, the point is this, Rafe. 
Horn Cloddy. Does it move the needle? You fired up for this? What, what, what weight class? Horn Cloddy? Horn Cloddy moves I'm sorry. the needle for Horn, me. I'd love to Horn, see Josh make a comeback. Horn Mundine. What, what weight are they? Can Mundine just slip into any weight class that he wants? He's like a chameleon. This guy's reptilian. Uh, perhaps. No, Brian. This does nothing for me. I do not want to see it. I, honestly, Jeff Horn, this excuse sucks. He got his ass kicked like we thought he would, but he's not a bad fighter. I want to see him compete a little bit at welterweight. Just don't cash it in and go hide in Australia for the rest of his career. Or if that's how he wants to be, just retire. You know, take the Mundine fight and retire. Maybe Manny wants a rematch if he can, if he's still alive after the Matisse fight. Like this is, uh, but but no, I think Horn has some stuff left in the tank, and I wouldn't mind seeing him compete at welterweight against. You know the Jesse Vargas's of the world. The you want you want to know yeah, my you just my sneaky said, yeah what do you got my sneaky big uh 147 147 or 144 weight category idea for Jeff Horn and it would be weight category <laughs> that yes 144 weight category uh, catch weight fight between A B Adrian Broner oh, wow. and Jeff Horn um. The, the the trash talk on both sides would be funny for about two days until both sides just turned into just the worst well, horrible racism we've that. ever seen. We did talk about and that fight last week when I came up with the uh, the stipulation would be an indecent proposal match. Are you down with that's that? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, throw throw it all on there. Look, I think stuff like that. Anyway, the point is I want to see Horn, you know, try and compete a little bit. Use his use this little bubble of legitimacy he has right now even after the Crawford loss and and see where he really ranks among the the top 15 welterweights Abby Pauli yeah so yeah I'm the, whatever. I mean he's touching M's though these days so you kind of tease that it might be you know Terrible. You know, you, you basically said you think maybe he could finish, so maybe this is the route to finishing. Maybe you fight Mundine. By the way, I looked up Mundine's box rec. Did you know that between 2011 and 2013, Mundine went on a tour de force where he outpointed Rigoberto Alvarez, Canelo's brother, at 54, then lost to Wash Gill at middleweight, and then took the remaining crumbs left of Shane Mosley's fighting soul via back injury? That's, that's a pretty good run right there. I mean, Mosley broke his back. What do you want him to do? I broke my back. All right, Rafe, this show is already well off the tracks. I did want to get in a quick recap of the weekend. We had a very light weekend of fights, which included IBF welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr. getting a KO1 over Carlos Ocampo to defend the IBF title. But before I get your take, I want to hear from Errol. I want to hear from the truth himself because apparently it's hashtag strap season. So let's hear from the champ now. Enjoy. Errol Spence Jr., man down, my man. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, dude, congratulations on everything. I mean, great first-round knockout of Carlos Ocampo this weekend, of course, in the homecoming in Dallas. But, you know, congratulations, I, I guess, on getting the push you deserve. You know, you're in the ring with Jerry Jones. You got half the Dallas Cowboys there with you. This felt like a big event. How important was it for you, regardless of opponent, to have a night like that? It was very important, Um, you know. That's what the most pressure that I had on myself, you know, just knowing that, you know, a lot cat Dallas the whole Dallas Cowboys organization is gonna be there that was watching me, Jerry Jones, um, a lot of the Dallas Who's Who's is gonna be there, uh, Mavericks and everything. So I just knew, you know, I had a lot of pressure on me to perform well and put on a great show and um I think I did that. 
You, you did for sure. And I, look, I love talking to you because I think along with my guy, Leo Santa Cruz, you're one of the nicest guys in the sport in terms of being a representative, talking to the media. But you're also really honest. And I like what you said before this fight. I had never heard of Carlos Ocampo until the IBF told me I have to fight him. You were very honest. This is a mandatory. This is how the game works. But how frustrating is it for you? When you can't necessarily fight the guys that you want, that the fans want, that I want, because we are so invested behind you and, you know, becoming this guy, the leader of this era. It was kind of frustrating a little bit because, um, you know, just the power of politics. But, you know, once you learn, you know, this this is how the game works. And, um, you know, you just got to, you know, you know, play the game how it goes. And that's how it works. I mean, you have the organization, the IBF, and they – you know, give you a mandatory that somebody you have to fight, but you know, at now I'm free. You know, now I'm free to fight who I want. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get another, you know, a big name in the ring, and um, you know, I can fight by the time the, the year's over with. Uh, we want to see you back a third time. You sound like you do as well. You said after the fight, "Hey, Mir Khan, Al Heyman's got got my number. You want to call him up? You want to make this fight happen? Is that would you say one of the leading names on your list to close out this year?" Um, no, I don't think he's one of the leading names on my list. Uh, somebody mentioned him and, uh, you know, basically all I said was, you know, he has Al Heyman's number, you know, give him a call. I mean, so he know how to, uh, make the fight happen or how to try to get that fight. So, um, you know, I don't believe in, you know, especially if we sign with the same manager and, uh, you know, we know the same network, like Showtime, I don't believe in just, you know, talking and saying you want to fight this guy, do this, do that. You know, when you have the number of the, of the person that can make that fight happen. So, you know, if you really want it, you know, you know who to call. Well, that's the thing. It, 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 we've lived through such a long period, especially in this welterweight division. You know, the whole Manny and Floyd saga of not getting the guys we wanted to at the right time. You are lucky to be on the right side of the political street, minus Terrence Crawford, of course, but where you have such a large group of big-name welterweights, all of the same manager, the same network, the same connected system. I mean, you're not a type of guy that's going to talk trash, but at some point you just be like, hey, guys, fight me. Let's go. This is what we're supposed to do. Hey, Keith Thurman, fight me. Get healthy and fight me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what you, that's what you, uh, you know, that's what, you know, that's what you want to say because, I mean, like I said, I want to fight Keith Thurman, but, you know, he's, so-called injured. Uh, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, supposed to be fighting each other for the WC belt. Um, you got Jesse Vargas. You got Americans out there. Um, you got other big names out there too. So I mean, like I said, it's a lot of guys to pick from. Um, so I am going to pick somebody to fight by the end of this year. And um, that's what my whole game plan was: is to stay busy, stay in the public eye, and basically just stay active and keep fighting. So. I mean, another fight is going to happen. I just don't know who is going to be yet. Uh, it's something, you know, I'm really not thinking about right now. I'm just trying to spend time with my family and uh, enjoy myself. And then probably like a month from now, we're going to start discussing it. All right. Well, we're, we, the media, are going to discuss it every day because we're fired up. And I know <laughs> you're, you're not the type of guy that throws shade around. You, you're very respectful, very poised. You back it up in the ring. But just to close on Thurman, I don't feel like he wants to fight you. And I think that while... Us journalists and fans have to respect that this is A, a business, and B, there's real risks involved here that we don't have to risk. So I get that. But 
this is the same stuff Keith used to call Floyd out for, saying, hey, Floyd, I got the regular WBA title. You're the full BA champion. Why are we not fighting? I feel like he's doing the same thing to you, right or wrong, true or false. What do you think? Uh, I think so. Uh, you know, I want to I want to see the old Thurman come back to quit ducking me, son, come back. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, this long layoff would, Give him some renewed energy and give him some renewed motivation and, um, you know, basically, you know, spark that fire on his butt and, um, you know, make him want to make these fights happen. So, I mean, we'll see. Timing is everything. We'll see how everything plays itself out. All right. You mentioned the Garcia-Porter fight in August. I love that fight for the vacant title. You talked about, hey, in early 2019, they want me to fight the winner. I will do it. That's a heck of a fight, you against either of those guys. Who do you think comes out on top in that one? Um, It's hard to go against Danny Garcia. Um, You know, every time you go against him, you know, he pulls it out. I mean, he doesn't do anything great, but, you know, he does a lot of little stuff good. So, um, Sean Porter is a tough fight for anybody just for his style. Um. But if I, if I was betting, I would have to go with Danny Garcia. Interesting. How tough is it when you're an elite guy like yourself to even think about fighting a guy like Porter who's going to just run into you all night? He's a skilled fighter. He's an honest fighter. He's a great man. But he's going to rough it up in there. He's going to try to make it dirty and test your heart. Do you welcome a matchup like that, or you look at it like, man, I hope Garcia does win so I don't have to deal with an elbow to the face? Mm-hmm. I would like to fight Danny Garcia. Um just because he's, he has a bigger name. He has a bigger name. Um, like you said, a bigger, better style to fight. And, um, you know, he's accomplished more. I mean, Sean Porter, he's a, you know, he's a good fighter, but he hasn't accomplished nearly as much as Danny Garcia accomplished or beat the fighters that he's beaten. So. That's fair. I mean, Sean Porter a tough fighter for, fight for anybody, but that fight, if he does win, then, you know, I welcome fighting Sean Porter. You know, I don't care about his rough style of his tactics i feel like i'm stronger than sean yeah you i mean you walked into you walked into england and said i'm gonna take kelbrook shots and i'm gonna get him out of there and that of course was a statement victory from you and now the the drum is being banged i mean we we bang he bangs we're banging this drum <laughs> for terrence crawford errol spence and i know you're fired up when you think about it i love that both of you guys are willing to talk about it you're honest you say look it's not an easy fight but it doesn't have to be a five-and-a-half-year Mayweather-Pacquiao odyssey. We may get this fight. You know, this is our generation's, what do you want to say, uh, Leonard Leonard uh, Hearns, you know, Tito against Oscar. This is this generation's. How excited is it for you when you know you have that name there that you're building toward, this collision course? Does that is this what gets you out of bed every morning? I mean, this has got to fire you up. Yeah, it's very exciting. You know, much respect to Terrence Crawford. He's a great fighter, and um, I feel like that fight's going to happen. But it's all about timing. Like like I said, you know, we're on two different sides of the streets. I mean, he's with, he's, he's with uh, ESPN. I'm with Showtime. Um, he has uh, a promoter, and my manager and his promoter doesn't work that well together. So, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that that's going to have to play in for that fight to happen, and um, timing is everything. And it's going to happen when it's supposed to. As long as he keep winning looking good, I keep winning and looking great, it's going to happen. So, All right, he looked good. I can't, I can't give you a timeline, but yeah. it'll happen. Well, I love that. I love that. You're honest. You're not saying, uh, you know, whatever. You're saying it, it will happen. What did you think about that performance when he took out Jeff Horn? Well, it was a good performance. Um, you know, 
I predicted, you know, he was going to get the stoppage. I said it on Twitter like a week before that. So, uh, you know, he looked good. Uh, he looked poised. Um, he looked like Terrence Crawford. That was at 140. So uh, I'm glad he looked good. I'm glad he looked great. So, you know, he keep winning and performing well. I keep winning and performing well. When that fight happens, the build up, you know, will be epic. And that will be a legacy fight. So oh, heck we'll yeah. see. And I think, I mean, if we're honest about the way the business works, if we are going to see it and when we see it, it probably has to be when you guys elevate your status even more than you already are, when you guys become more household names outside of boxing. So, I mean, how do you get there? How do you get this fight to happen? Is it just keep winning and looking good? Oh, definitely. Keep winning and looking good and keep fighting the best competition out there. I mean, you know, like I said, um, on Showtime and – on my side of the street, you know, I have guys like Danny Garcia, Sean, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, um, uh, Jesse Vargas, and, you know, so on and so on. I mean, I don't know. I think you know, the reason why Tyrone wants this fight and they want it so bad because they have, they don't really have anybody on their side of the street. Who he has to fight is probably Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. So Dan and Rush to making this fight happen. You know, I have a lot of big names and, on my side and um that I'm going to fight and I'm willing to fight and I'm pretty sure they'll be willing to fight me too so it's going to get built up but it's definitely not going to happen right now well I love that you guys will talk to each other on social or not to each other but you'll tweet about each other you'll talk to the media about each other is there ever any interaction between the two of you do you ever late night DM him and be like hey bud I'm coming for you bro uh no there's no interaction between us uh you know, I don't really know him like that. I wasn't in the, in, the, in the amateurs with him, anything like that. So, you know, I don't really know him like that. So it's, right, it's not really no interaction. It's just a a mutual respect, and you know, he he feels my presence, and um, you know, I feel what, what he's doing. So, all right, it's strap season, Errol Spence. It's man down. It's all these great hashtags. You're you're on a good run here with the marketing. I'm a fan of it. Final question here, Errol Spence. I'm going to ask you this question until the day you retire, go in the Hall of Fame one day, because I love this stuff. That 2012 sparring session with Floyd. You never want to talk about it, but Kenny Porter says you put it on him, Errol Spence. Give us the truth. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't know. You <laughs> guys. Man, you turned up. <laughs> nah, but uh, but um, you just—I mean, I don't know. I mean, it happened a long time ago, and um, it was good work. I mean, it's back and forth action, and um, you know, it basically with a chess match in there. I love it. I love it. I'll get more out of you in the future, Earl Spence. Thanks so much for your time. Best of luck. Can't wait to see you again, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, always good to catch up with Errol Spence, one of the true gentlemen, along with Leo Santa Cruz in this sport. That's what I'm talking about right there. Rafe, I want to get your thoughts, though, on this mandatory fight, which, you know, they propped Jerry Jones up for it. We had half the Dallas Cowboys in present, but didn't really last that long. KO1 to the body. Hashtag, what a beauty. What do you got for me? Oh, Brian, it's strap season, and I'm ready to strap one on, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. This fight was nothing. I mean, it was... It was less than we even thought it would be. And whatever, it looked like a legitimate body punch knockout. It didn't, I mean, Ocampo, the way he was fighting in that first round, looked like he wanted to be there, uh, but he didn't belong in there, and, and that's what happens. Yeah, we, you can't really get a, a feeling at all of what 
of what that fight was or what that means for Spence. You just want him now to face the best welterweights. He wants it. He Look, we asked him about fighting Crawford. He wants that, of course. But after the fight in the ring, he did quickly sort of say, well, I want to fight the winner of Sean Porter, Danny Garcia. They're going to fight in August. And I think to his credit, if you want to say credit, he knows Thurman's hurt and doesn't really want to fight him. He knows that the Crawford fight is by no means a slam dunk easy to make. So is this the best option to try to find out who Errol Spence really is? Face the winner of Porter Garcia in early 2019. It's, it's, the, it's also a very good option. I don't, I, I have nothing yeah, right. against that happening. They're, they're fighting for the title that, that Thurman vacated. And whoever wins it will be a pretty legit champion. I mean, these guys have been at the top of this division for a while. We know that they're both very good fighters. And do, why, why jump over everyone to, to make the Crawford fight right away? Uh, I, and you, you read Bob Arum, you read, uh, all the, any, all the things that the, the, the real power players in boxing are saying about a fight like Sp- Crawford Spence, it, it's not going to happen in the next year. They want to, the uh, guys who are that good, who when they meet, it will be a true, like we were saying last week, Tito versus Oscar type event, like to, to, to crown arguably the best fighter in the sport yes. with a pretty, with a very strong argument to the winner. Uh, you want that fight to be big. You don't want it to just mean something to the hardcores and, and, and it's on, it's headed in that direction. They're, they're, they're both winning. They're both headlining cards. Uh, the turnout for the Crawford fight was not huge in Vegas, but it was, they had a, a bunch of, you know, basketball players, actors, Chadwick Bozeman in the ring with him from Black Panther. Not him. You know, just that, that kind of stuff kind of adds up a little bit. No, All of I a did. sudden you get used and, and hopefully, Later this year, they'll, they're actually going to put Terrence Crawford on linear TV ESPN and he'll get that. And when, man, that is one thing. I wish that horn fight had been on real TV so a bigger audience could see it. Cause the, that was a real kind, even though horn is no amazing fighter, that was still kind of a coming out performance. That was a, that may have been the most impressive that Terrence Crawford has looked as just a fighter who has it all and is really uh, can do anything. He's in complete control. Operating like a sports car. Oh, it was a Volkswagen yes. against a Ferrari and the guy driving the Volkswagen was a bad driver. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great way to sort of recap it, but yeah, that's, that's a nice coming out party there, but I don't know if anyone saw it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> So ho- uh, hopefully he looks as good in the next one and it, and it feels meaningful. Um, but I look, I don't think, I don't think Spence Crawford has to happen right away. Uh, and, and it can't, think, and it won't. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but at least he wants, I mean, well, he's always wanted to face the best. It's never been a problem. So I got to ask you this then. If we want, he's already fought twice. So in theory, he could kind of just walk away for the end of the year. We don't want that. I'm sure he doesn't want that. Who do, should he fight then? What's a stay busy here? He just did a stay busy. He just did a mandatory and, and to his credit. He he said he never heard of Carlos Ocampo when this fight was first breached. But to his credit, he wanted to get it out of the way so it doesn't prevent a bigger fight. Then, I, don't, I mean, you could serve up like an A-B, but then you'd kind of set A-B up to lose. We'd almost rather see A-B fight guys we think he has a chance to beat, right? Yeah, well, Spence was talking about fighting Jesse Vargas, which, you know, I, I don't give Vargas. I, that sort of feels like the Lamont Peterson fight to me. Um, which I guess was Spence's first fight this year. You know, Spence is going to win that pretty comfortably, but Vargas is a real name. Vargas is a former world champion, uh, or former champion at the division. I should say, I hesitate to say world champion, but Vargas is a solid fighter. 
and, and somebody it's worth you know it's it's that's worth getting on that resume if no one else is available. Of course, you've got the the Cuban uh, mandatory, your Dennis Ugas. And Errol uh, told boxing scene he'd much rather face Vargas than Ugas. But Ugas is not a bad fight. I mean, he's looked pretty good in recent. It, it might be more interesting just because he's sort of a quicker, more dangerous. Um, yeah, just a quicker, less predictable fighter than Vargas, although maybe less solid. But still, uh, either of those fights, if that's the next for Spence and, and, and that's the best they can do, I, I'm, I'm willing to be a little bit patient. I'm just excited for these fighters, man. They're good. They're so damn good. Yes. Look at this. I like this. This is like, you, you just get, you're getting all fired up. You know there. what else? Let me, Brian, I love how both, even though they, they acknowledge they're not going to fight each other soon, both Crawford and Spence, Really don't hold anything back when talking about yes. the other. Yes. Like they say, like Spence, when, when he's asked about Crawford, he's like, well, I'm the bigger, stronger fighter. I've been the, the, the boogeyman at 147. And yeah, I think I'd just beat him up. And, and they ask Crawford. And of course, you know, uh, Brian McIntyre, Bomack, the, the, the trainer slash manager, <laughs> he's out here saying like, we the effing boogeyman. And yeah, we already know how to beat Spence. We got it sealed up. Don't even worry. Don't even sweat it. That's easy work. So they're really, I mean, they're not running away from it. They're not, you don't see them doing the, the thing that boxers sometimes do when they, they just sort of defer basically the, the Keith Thurman playbook. We're like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to handle my business and uh, you'll know when I'm ready for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Did you see to close on this, uh, Spence card, the opening fight when Javier Fortuna, who moved up to 140 to face Adrian Granados, did his best Kermit Cintron impression by falling through the ropes in round four, hitting his head legitimately on the, that camera box that the cameraman stands on and the fight being over. We got a neck brace. We got a stretcher and we have Adrian Granados afterwards saying he knew I was coming on. I think he was faking. What, 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 what are your thoughts on this? I have no, I, I don't really have any, I just, I'm happy to see the, the, the Cintron affair re, relived, reenacted when we weren't expecting it. That, that kind of hijinks is probably the only thing that could have gotten me interested in Fortuna Granados. <laughs> it really did bring back the ghost of Cintron. It was a decent action fight for three rounds. It was okay. Three and a half rounds, whatever. It got us quicker to the main event. I don't care about that co-main with Danny Roman. Maybe you do, but I'm, I'm going to wrap that up for now, Rafe. And I want to get into, uh, before we get into the weekend preview, Rafe, to find out what you actually care about. We got some DM slides. Yes, finally, the people are speaking up. They want to hear our thoughts. They want to bring it. Slide in those DMs at B Campbell CBS. DM season is open at Rafe Bugs. If, if they're open, I don't, I can't speak for you. They are open, right, wide right. open. Here's the first DM slide from Jamie R at J underscore N R E B. Jamie Reb says, I work at a home furnishing store that sells carpets. Hey, oh, all right, not bad. One of the styles is called panache. No panache, no flair, no show, waste of money. Jamie says, I want clients to order it just so I can shout out to the Irish crew. Yes, very strong DM slide there, Rafe. And while he's doing that, we might as well shout out to the ADK boys, the Irish crew. I'll try the Gypsy boys. I'll try the Irish crew. Hey, Jamie, oh, Rafe, oh, oh, here we go. Rising. Who knows? Kick it to your roll. All right. Hey, uh, shout out to Jamie Reb there. Uh, continue to move that panache product. Rafe, we got another DM slide from at Way D Webster. He says, hey, Rafe, what's it look like boxing edition? That's the only edition there is, by the way, Way D Webster. 
Jeff Hahn versus Showtime Sean Porter. Rafe, what does that look like? That's that that looks ugly, man. That is a that is a fugly ass fight. Um, that is a butterface of a fight. Um, two guys just running into each other, <laughs> hitting hitting each other on the arms, slapping, smacking, rubbing, smack it up, smack it, it up, rub, rub it, it down, rub it oh, down. No. Oh. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the end, I think that uh, I I I think Porter I think Porter wins. I think he's as a sort of you know that physical style that the, the the brute strength that he brings i think that is a little bit too much for horn uh, yes. horn that that's horn is comfortable dealing with that but i think he just gets beat at his own game well, yeah exactly horn likes being the kind of bully we didn't see coming but porter is a next level mauling he gets bully. manhandled he's like an nfl man. running back yeah there's a lot of man there's a lot of man in there uh rafe to close from matthew at f boxing he says let me cruise with you guys how does it look like well, it's more like, what's it look like? But hey, this guy's from Switzerland, so we'll give him a break here. He says the small red Canelo Alvarez versus Felix Trinidad at middleweight. Greetings from Switzerland. Thank you, Matthew at F Boxing. Ray, take this first. The small red, meaning not you, big red, Canelo versus prime middle Tito, which I guess would be, let's say, the Joppy fight heading into the Hopkins fight. What's that look like? All right, Brian, listen. You know me. You know my steez. I... I'm the guy who talked myself into Kermit Cintron finally exposing Canelo back in the day. I'm the guy who was really thinking, hey, all right, I think Alfonso Gomez has got this. Um, I'm that guy. And so if I was able to get into those guys, you'd best believe I am picking Tito to just work him over. He can't handle that speed. That, he can't handle the speed. can't handle the power. can't handle that left. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I got, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to that'd it. That'd be a heck of a Mexico-Puerto Rico rivalry matchup. Like, that'd be like, there'd be a lot of banging of the drums, you know? There'd be a lot of just, just absolute, just in the crowd. I mean, that would be, but, oh man, you know, it's Canelo, the middleweight Canelo does have panache. We gotta give him that. But, prime middleweight Tito, when he still thought he was unstoppable, man, he could punch and he was seek and destroy. He might, push Canelo to be to not throw enough punches and to really be in a defensive mode volume wise he could win that just a decision on that alone the only thing is yeah because Canelo doesn't have he's got panache as a counter puncher but he's not going to do the disarm you boxing wise like Hopkins and, and Oscar did with movement and by the way Oscar did set the template for for Hopkins to do that so yeah I'm I'm fine I'm more than fine with that Rafe I'm more than fine with that I got Tito by decision that's what it looks like I think it'd be fun but I don't think Canelo's going to go balls out on that We've never, that's actually, I'd like to see that. Maybe, maybe he, we will see that against Triple G. I want to see Canelo with his balls out in the ring, <laughs> fighting balls out in the ring. The big ones, big ones. Uh, yeah. All right, Rafe, let's get into this, uh, weekend preview of what there is. And it's, I want to ask you first, do you care about this? Thursday night from New York City on Lou DeBella's streaming website, live.dbe1.com. We have a Lou, I think this is a Broadway boxing. I'm not sure. The main event is Michael Lespierre against Gustavo Vittori, a 10-round welterweight bout. I know you don't care about that, but do you care about the co-main? Dejan Zlatichinin makes his comeback against Roberto Ramirez, 10-round lightweights. Do you care? I'm not watching, but I like Zlatichinin. I hope he gets back in the mix at 135. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. Friday night, showtime. Detroit, Rafe. 
9 p.m. Eastern. Clarissa Shields faces Hannah Gabriels. 10 rounds for the vacant IBF and WBA women's middleweight title. And Rafe, before I get your take on whether you care about it, I got Clarissa Shields. I got her right now. Let's hear from the champ herself moving down in weight to 160 to take this fight. T-Rex is in the house on the CBS Sports Boxing Podcast. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's fight week, showtime, Friday night. The headliner, of course, at the Masonic Temple, 10 p.m. Eastern. Clarissa, this is this is a big deal. I mean, you are five fights into your career, and we get a lot of like, hey, Vasily Lomachenko, he's doing things no one else has done before. You're moving to a new division and has a chance to win two belts. I mean, you are moving at an incredibly fast pace. Uh, how, talk to me about this journey. Only the greats can do it, and that's definitely for sure. You know, I'm the greatest woman fighter of all time, and I've been saying it, you know, before I turned pro and now I'm pro and winning belts and titles. You have to be really great to do these things so early on in your career. But um, the journey has been great. I've I learned more about myself from, from the first fight to my second and third, and I learned so much about myself and uh, seeing how much better that I can be, and uh, that's what I strive for up in the up in training camp to fix my mistakes I made my last fight, and just to look better uh, every uh, every fight and to represent a uh, women's boxing the best way that I um, can. Yeah, I like that. The, the represent women's boxing. There's a lot of pressure on you, Clarissa. You're the face of the sport. It's maybe similar to what Ronda Rousey went through a few years ago with UFC and MMA, where the pressure was like, "Hey, if you lose." You might take away the attention for everyone. Do you do you deal with that, or are you able to just sort of brush that off? Oh my God, absolutely! It's like um, I I have to look good. I have to do great. You know, whenever I fight, I can't get in there and look average. You know, it's not it's not just about you know fighting for me. Like you know, like the males have to worry about beating their opponent. I have to beat my opponent. I have to beat the eyes to make them like women's boxing. They have to like the way that I fight. Um, I have to be fast and strong and, uh, you know, have some skill. Like, I got to be above the average man to even keep that attention. So just with that, it's just like um, sometimes it's a heavy load, but I've been doing it for so long, and I really believe in my skills and my power and my speed. So that's just what I stick with. About the the idea of women's boxing getting the push it deserves, right? Like we saw in the last decade, I mentioned MMA, UFC, come out of nowhere and and be a proven pay-per-view. Ronda Rousey was a proven pay-per-view draw. Where did it fail in boxing? Because, you know, 20 years ago, you saw some women getting pushed, the Christy Martins, the Layla Ali's, the Ann Wolfs. Where did it fail in between from then to now? Oh, my gosh. The difference between now and then is that um, back then – they were great fighters, and they were the best that women had at the time. Now we have more skill and more girls and more um, experience now. And, you know, we got girls who've been to the Olympics, who won Olympic medals, gold medals at that, bronze and uh, everything like that. I think the difference now is that, well, of course, we we are now fighting on TV. The, the promoters are getting involved and they're signing women. So it's not just about two women, you know, or three, Leila Ali, Christy Martin, Lucia Riker. You know, it's about, like, all the women now. You know, so the promoters are getting involved. The TV telecasts are getting involved. And um, that's, I think, are different. Fights didn't happen. Layla Ali did not fight Ann Wolf. True. Christy Martin did not fight Lucia Riker. 
those are the big fights that were supposed to happen. Now you have me uh, fighting against Hannah Gabriels and hopefully going against um, Christina Hammer. Like we got some big fights that we're actually taking and taking risks to get in the ring with and to have, and that's the difference. Like we're taking the big fights back then. The best didn't uh, didn't fight the best, and now the best are. I love that. I love your the way you look at the sport, the passion, where you're like, well. I want to be the best. I want to not just be the pound for pound best. I want to be the best ever. So to get there, you're willing to, to, to do the hard work. You, you got two belts at super middleweight. Now you're moving down in weight to middleweight with plans to maybe move down more. You don't really see that a lot in boxing to go in that direction. Normally it's, you know, let me win a couple of belts and keep rising. Talk to me about this pursuit of, I want to, I want to beat everybody. I want to claim every belt. Um, it just to state that my claim is true, that I am the greatest woman woman of all time, that I can not only win at 168, but I can go down to 160 and the 154 where they say that the best talent is at, and I can beat those girls too, just to show them that weight is only a number and that skill and how you box is, that's what determines if you're pound for pound. You know, you can reign at one weight class, cool, you know what I mean? But it's really about, when you talk about being pound for pound, can you go down in weight or go up and still dominate the way that the way that you did at your weight class? Because my weight class is 168. That's my natural weight. So you talk about me going down to 160 and 154. Yeah, I got to lose a little bit of weight, but I'll never lose my skill. I'll never lose my power and my and my speed. And I want to show them that the girls who are smaller still can't beat me, just to show how much show how dominant I really am. Well, that's a great attitude for the idea of carrying the responsibility of pushing the sport forward and making the big fights, like you said, didn't happen the last few eras. So how do you physically do that? How hard of a cut is this going to be for 160 this week? And then the idea of maybe going to 54 after that? Oh, we're not going to 54 right after. Hopefully, you know, we got Tori Nelson versus Christina Hammer uh, and myself versus Hannah Gabriels. It's kind of like a little middleweight mini tournament so it's like if christina hammer wins and of course my and of course myself wins we um should be fighting next so we'll be fighting at 160 um because i want to unify the division at 160 how low do you think you could go and wait and still be the same fighter still have those skills without feeling like your energy is zapped i think 54 is the lowest i can go i think 54 definitely like i can't go no lower than 54 Interesting. So when you look at the idea, and I'm not looking past your opponent, Hannah Gabriels, on, on Friday, I'm not looking past the idea of facing Christina Hammer, but we know there's a pound-for-pound queen out there at welterweight. Is there any idea that if you keep winning and Cecilia ever moves up, could that happen? Um, That's the that's the big fight that I want to happen. I want to fight against the Brockies, but, I mean, I think it's a bit much to call it pound-for-pound, pound, though. I mean, I, I know she's ranked that on I believe Ring Magazine, but we all seen her fight on HBO, the first woman's fight um, when she fought against Kelly Reese, and everyone already knows she's not the pound for pound. Yes. I am. You know, just from her skills and how she performed, that's not how a pound for pound performs, and a pound for pound doesn't get dropped. Wow, wow. There, there, there's some not. truth in there. There's some hard truth in there. That was a show, a big showcase for her. And she did get the victory, but there were possibly some holes there. So talk to me about this fight against Hannah Gabriel. She's 18-1-1. This is for the vacant IBF and WBA middleweight championships. What type of opponent is she? What type of fight are you expecting? Um, I'm, I'm expecting her to – I think she's going to try to stand it for some time. But when she 
maybe a round or two, but when she figures out that my power doesn't die, that it doesn't fade, I think she's going to get on her wheels and uh, try to box me more than try to stand there. I think she's going to try to use her angles and maybe catch me off balance while I'm, I think she's under the, um, under, she's under the interpretation that I can't box, that I don't know how to cut off the ring or know how to box. Um, I think she thinks that I'm just all aggression. So she's going to try to use that against me, but I don't think that, um, I, I don't think that she, um, but that's what I think she's going to do. Just try to move and catch me off balance and throw shots and everything. Well, I think the fun the fun part in watching you is that the fights are very exciting. You 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 bring it. You go out there. You're not afraid to 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 bang in there, make it an action fight if you have to. Have you been hurt at all in any of these fights? You've you've done so much in five fights. Has there been a point yet where you've had that chin checked a little? What? No, I think my first fight. I'm not even gonna say that. Say that I got my chin checked. I got headbutted so much in my uh, fight with Franchon Cruz. Um, every fight, and I always talk to the. Um, I always talk to the um, refs before the fight, and I say, can we please watch out for headbutts? Because headbutts are super dangerous. I hate them. Um, and I literally, like, had, like, my skin on my face was burning for, like, three days just from the headbutts that I had um, and countered from French Iron. Wow. Brutal. Brutal stuff right there. Nobody's putting the, the fists on the chin, though. I like to, I like to hear that. So you mentioned the co-main event on Friday night is Christina Hammer, who has the other two middleweight belts. She's facing Tori Nelson, who you took a decision from in January. Now, I got some sound here from when you two guys faced off in the ring one point. I got to play this. It was a good fight, but it's not good for me. I beat you both. <laughs> yeah, you, you say that now, and you're in the dress, and I'm in gear. You're getting on gear. I kick your ass right now. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about, T-Rex. Slinging, slinging the, uh, the words right there. Is there a beef between the two here? What's going on? Um, well, that happened because I knew that they would be letting her get in the ring and that they would be, you know, promoting a future fight with us. But they, everybody told me to play it safe, you know, like to be nice to her and, you know, just more be nice to her than anything. And that's what I was doing because usually if any other girl would have jumped in the ring, I would have already been, um, you know, mentally prepared. But when she jumped in the ring, it was like I had just won my world title. And then she's like, um, you had a great fight. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And then she's like, but I beat you both. And it caught me off guard because I was like, okay, so I guess y'all still want me to be nice and let her talk shit to me on TV. So I kind of had to, you know, put her in her place. And I had to let them know after, like, you know, I'm all down for, you know, promoting the fight, but I'm not down for disrespect. Like, if if that was if that was her world title fight, I would have just jumped in the ring and said, you know, great fight, and I look forward to fighting you in the future. You know what I mean? Sure. I wouldn't sure. have gotten there and said that I beat you both, but it definitely did add some uh, tension for the fans, and I, I guess for myself, and it definitely brought more attention to the fight. The fact that she um, said whatever she said, so no doubt about um, but it. But I'm not worried about Christina Hammer. She got a big test on her hand this week. Well, uh, with Nelson, and if you both win, of uh, that's you know with the with a little bit of a beef with the with the strong abilities of both, that should be a fun fight to look forward to. I know you are training with John David Jackson. How has he helped you grow and evolve? Oh well, he just taught me some new some uh, some new combinations, and he done he done um told me just to just to slow down and be and be uh, patient 
He's certainly got the experience. Of course, he was in Sergey Kovalev's corner for a while, the former champion. I've read where you've done some sparring with former middleweight title holder Matt Korobov, and you prefer to spar with the men. Why so? Um, that's just how you get the best out of me. That's uh, sparring with girls that have to, you know, take some of my power back and some of my speed back and kind of meet them on the on the same level. When it's more of like I get to exert and push myself when I when I spar against the men. There's a lot of men that I'm actually better than. Like they can't get in the ring and just, you know, toy around with me. Like they got to be 100% serious. Like they're going to be if they were in the fight. And um, you know, um, I got to see, you know. Am I fast and strong as, as I want to be and see what I actually need to work on? You don't know what you actually need to work on if you're in a tape, tapering back on your speed and your power and you don't know, you know what I mean, what you're supposed to be doing. I wanted to close with, with a female that you did spar and it, and it got a lot of press and it looked interesting when you had UFC champion Chris Cyborg Justino in camp. What What were those sessions like? That had to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, she's definitely a badass. She can... She can fight, and I, and I can't wait till she comes over to boxing and beat some of these girls. Um, Chris Cyborg is definitely the best MMA fighter that I've been in the ring with. Um, it definitely shows that I, you know, just with her, that, that my boxing abilities are better than hers because I've been boxing for so many years and just boxing. But for her to be doing jiu-jitsu and um, all the other sports that uh, that she do to be a great compete, I mean, to be a great uh, fighter in, in MMA, um, she she's a good boxer. No question. Do you think it's more likely that Chris Cyborg takes a pro boxing match or that you ever slide over into MMA? Huh? Is it more likely that we see Cyborg box or you ever enter the cage? Yeah, it's more likely you see Chris Cyborg box. I would never do MMA. I mean, no, I I've actually been paying a lot of attention to Amanda Serrano and to Heather Hardy as they switched over and they kind of go back and forth between MMA and then come back to boxing and um after Heather Hardy lost her MMA match I went to her boxing match that was in Brooklyn um at the Barclays and um it's definitely different for her body it's definitely different and she um yeah, she just looked very, she looked very different, you know, from when I've seen her before. Like, her arms were heavier. She didn't punch as fast, and um, she took a lot of shots, and she wasn't so much aware of her defense because, you know, in MMA, it's not really about defense. It's about takedowns and being strong and, you know, know how to ground and pound, and she really wasn't using her boxing skills in her last fight that, I, that I've seen, but I think that MMA just does the body different. So I wouldn't switch back and forth. I'm just going to stick with boxing unless a huge, huge opportunity comes. But I'll always give myself a 100% chance to win. So I don't feel like I can 100% chance win in MMA. I'm not going to do it. Hey, I love that. I love the way you broke that down. Appreciate that. This Friday night, showtime, 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you going for a pair of middleweight championships. Clarissa Shields, thanks so much for the time. Great talking to you. Got a great head on your shoulders. You are a true ambassador for where women's boxing is going, and I wish you a lot of luck. Thank you. All right, good, good, good chat there with Clarissa Shields, who's really got to carry on her back the face of women's boxing, Rafe. Maybe, hey, maybe we'll end up getting that Christina Hammer showdown that we all want. But Rafe, Shields, two belts at six, at super middleweight, moving down to middleweight. 
facing Hannah Gabriels here to do what she wants to do, which is eventually get hashtag all the belts, keep moving down in weight. This is something we don't normally see here to eventually become the pound-for-pound best in the sport, face of the sport, and even the greatest female fighter of all time. Sort of interesting the way she's starting at a higher weight and moving down. Yeah, yeah. You know, she said it all there, and uh, I don't really have anything more to say about it. Wow, wow. Really going to go there. All right. Hey, and that co-main Christina Hammer is facing Tori Nelson, who Shields defeated last year with the hopes of possibly setting up for that middleweight title fight for all four belts. We'll see what Shields will do in the future. So, Rafe, you know, candidly, uh, you, you don't care about Friday night. No, I care. I I'm see... not in on this one. I'm sorry. S- I'm not. I'm not ready yet. I'm just. I can't. I'm just not interested. She bangs though. Clarissa brings it. They're, they're always fun fights. All right, Rafe. Do you care? Friday night, Barcelona, Spain. There's a man, a male fighter named Abigail Medina, who's going to face Anthony Setul for Medina's European Junior Featherweight title. Do you care? I only remember Setul from getting sent to hell in the Philippines by Nonito Donaire in one of his comeback fights. And no, I don't care. All right. Saturday from London on ESPN Plus, that app, Rafe, that you have to remember to unsign up for after you did it for the Crawford fight. Roberto Garcia, who once lost to a post-prime washed Antonio Margarito, faces Martin Murray in the replacement Billy Joe Saunders fight. This could be a fun scrap. I'm going to tune in for this. You got thoughts on this? Yeah, I think especially because I want to support Martin Murray after he's been dragged through hell and yanked around by Billy Joe Saunders. I, I'm 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 down for this. All right, all right, I'll take that. That's a, that's a yes, you do care. Same day, Rafe, Saturday, also on ESPN Plus from Oaxaca, Mexico, Miguel Burchelt defends his WBC Junior Lightweight title against Jonathan Victor Barros. If you stumble into this fight on that app on your phone, that's not a that can't be a bad fight, right? Burchelt brings it. This guy's part of that all action group at 1:30 on HBO. Only yeah, Rochelle does a lot of fun. I'm in, I'm, I, I'd watch. I mean, Jonathan Barros, I haven't seen since he got sent to hell by Mikey Garcia. I'm kind of surprised he climbed back from hell after that. But yeah, I watch Rochelle. He's, he, he's a fun fighter. All right. There's a lot of boxing on ESPN on Saturday, Rafe, because on the deuce and on ESPN Deportes from LA, your backyard, Virgil Ortiz Jr. faces Juan Carlos Salgado, which I assume is another golden boy card. Oh 10 rounds, junior welterweights. Do you care? Wow, Juan Carlos Salgado, as in like once once upon a time, the guy who we used to confuse with Juan Carlos Burgos? Yes, yes, exactly. I yeah, I don't care. Wow. Uh, where, where does Salgado up to? Do we have time in the show for me to take <laughs> 10 seconds to hit a uh, box rec right here? By the way, box rec's whole sign-in thing is garbage, right? It's just – it's just. I think I remember seeing him lose to Argenis Mendez oh, on a wow. on a uh, Friday Night Fights card. Yeah, he's card. lost seven of his last eight, including to Miguel Roman, to Argenis Mendez, like you mentioned. Uh, yeah, this is not going in a good direction, Rafe. I'm not going to be watching that fight. Do you care, though, Saturday from Glasgow, Scotland? Hell Vic- yes! Victor Postal versus Josh Taylor in a WBC 140 eliminator. Brian, this is an awesome fight. Awesome. I am pumped. Josh Taylor has looked like a true blue chipper. I mean, this guy has panache, real panache. Um, and you know, he had a really, he had a breakout 2017 and they, in one of those, starting off with one of those UK prospect versus prospect matches that we don't really see on a high level quite, you know, maybe the old showbox classics, but, yes. but, the, the, in the UK, they're not afraid to do a, a Groves de Gale. They're not, and they, and they did O'Hara Davies against Josh Taylor, and Davies was the more fancied guy going in, and Taylor washed him. Um, and then he, he, he managed to stop Miguel Vasquez, which is pretty impressive later in the year. The guy looks like a really good fighter at 140. 
But this is a huge, huge yes. leap in class for him to fight Pastol, who hasn't been super active since he lost to Terrence Crawford, but has looked okay the one or two times I've seen him in the ring he since then. He one, doesn't seem like he's lost it. He fought in Kiev. He took a decision from Jamshidbek Namjadinov. I'm sure you That is that a fight. fun fight. Look that one up on YouTube. I, I stumbled into it one time. That Jamshidbek guy, he's got, Jam. he's got, He's fiery. He's got Jam. a little fire in the belly. Teddy Jam Shebeck. Uh, Rafe, do you care about the co-main? Ten rounds bantamweights. Lee McGregor against a man named Good Luck Marema. Good Luck is his first name. One word. Good Luck. I mean, He's from the, Tanzania. The, the former guy. president of Nigeria. Good Luck Jonathan. Good Luck Jonathan. All right. Hey, uh, good luck to you if you care about this fight, Rafe. No? No, no All right. not really. At Ciudad Juarez, Mexico on Saturday, Miguel Mickey Roman, my man, the action star, 12 rounds junior lightweights against Michael Marcano. Who? No TV for that one. Is, nope. is Roman the guy? That's the guy who beat um Salito. Yeah, he's year, part of right? that round robin HBO yeah, thing. And he hasn't gotten a decent fight since then. Didn't he send so guy? He sent uh, Salito to to the deep dark depths, right? Uh, since then, I mean, uh, those guys fight every month. Is is that racist to say those guys? I'm not really sure, but uh. I feel like those guys fight every month. Am I wrong? Those... Oh, I want to see. I want to see him get that. His uh, he should be fighting Burchelt. I, I think Burchelt was injured. There, there, there was there's some half decent explanation for why that hasn't really moved around much at 130. But it's time. Go ahead, make it happen. So since defeating Salito in December, he TKO victory over some man I can't pronounce his name in February. Yeah, these guys fight every couple months. All right, that, oh, hey, it's not on TV. We won't watch it. Finally, Rafe. Do you care on Saturday from Kempton Park, South Africa? Thulani Mbenge will enter a 12-round welterweight bout against Diego Chavez, our guy, our oh. guy from Argentina. Ooh. He's oh. back. Yeah, let's get the finger bangs going. Chavez That's time. That's what I'm talking about. Um, you don't care, do you? I, you know, I, I was a Chavez. I was in on. I was part of that that unfortunate group of people who thought that Chavez was actually dangerous at 147. No. You know, we, we, we took a little too much out of his half-decent performance against Keith Thurman and really, really kind of extrapolated out wildly from there. No I was also panache. at the fight in Lancaster at the end of last year where Jamal James ended him with a body yes. shot. And I was just like, you know what? I'm, I gotta, I'm, I've had my last finger bang. This, this party's <laughs> over. Took the whole soul away. All right, folks. We did a little bit of uh, what's it look like. I had a couple more for you, but we are out on time. Special thanks to Errol Spence Jr. and Clarissa Shields. Check out her fight Friday on Showtime for stopping by. Special thanks to the Boogs. People can sign up for the Respect Not Box newsletter. They may even get it every Friday in their inbox. Go to at Rafe Boogs on Twitter and sign up. Rafe, you got any uh, you know kind words for the people, the people that take the time to listen to us do this each week? We out. Wow, that, that really was the direction I was going in, but we're still out.